Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Joel Saves Big. If you do want to be a guest on my show, feel free to DM me at Joel Saves Big on Instagram. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Joel Saves Big. Today, I have Liz Gets Loaded. You can find her Instagram handle in the show notes. Um, you can also find her at Liz Gets Loaded. Liz, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, I'm Liz. <laughs> Uh, I have an Instagram account where I talk about money and work and all kinds of things that maybe my friends in real life get bored because I talk about it too much. Same here. Um, what made you get started like in making your Instagram page? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think about that sometimes. I, I think I just really wanted to connect mostly with other women, no offense, who, wanted to talk about money and who wanted to talk about investing. And it's so hard sometimes to, to suss that out in the real world. I was, I was just talking about, I was making some posts about that online. Like, like, how do you tell if someone out here in the real world wants to talk to money or excuse me, wants to talk about money with you. And I've got a few, uh, I don't know if you do, I've got a few like, um, test balloons I, I set up, right? <laughs> like, oh, how about that market, right? And then if they want to, you know, if they kind of want to chat about what's happening in the stock market, then you know you found a fellow nerd. But if they don't take the bait, then uh, then then you know you should probably change the subject. What other test balloons do you, do you uh, prompt? Yeah, sometimes I'll just mention, oh yeah, I definitely want to retire early. Right. And again, sometimes people will take the, Oh, me too. I'm, I'm investing here. And you know, my goal is this many years. And, and sometimes the response is just, yeah, that'd be nice. Right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you're, you're not, uh, you haven't, you haven't found a, a fellow, uh, fire nerd. Yeah. Um, that's something that has stuck out to me. Um, I, I know that in your, in your bio, it says thirties, dual income, no kids and debt free. Um, and then a post that really stuck out to me recently was you mentioned everyone who knows me knows I want to retire early, but they don't realize that when I say early, I mean the next three years. How are you <laughs> doing that in the next three years? Because I want to retire early too as well, um, but I don't know if I could do it in the next three years. I mean, I don't, I, I, I think I'm very much always going to suffer from, have you heard the term one more year syndrome? I have not. So it, it's something I think that that happens a lot with people who are looking to retire early is they think, um, you know, especially if, if you're in a job that pays you well, right. Well, I might as well just do this for one more year and make this additional X dollars. And so it, it's funny you reference that post because I've been saying for a long time, like I want to retire in five years, but I've been saying that for two or three years. <laughs> and I think recently I just kind of looked, I said, okay, you need to move that timeline up a little bit. I think you can get there in three years. And, and like a lot of people, when I say retire, what I really mean is set myself up in a situation where I'll be work optional so I can have a job. If I want to, I don't have to think as much about how, how much that job pays, right. If I want to go work in a coffee shop or work for a nonprofit, or I don't know, try to try to <laughs> try to try to make money off of my little 10 minute podcast episodes. Like I can do that because I know that I have 
uh, enough financial backing for myself to, to get the bills paid. Right. Yep. So, so your goal is like to be able to like, based on numbers is like to be able to sustain your life without working. Um, right. but any additional income would just be bonus, like fun money. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I'm sure you've seen other people explain, uh, better than I will, but once you hit that point where you've got 25 to 30 times your annual expenses saved, uh, the, the people who are smarter than us say that you can withdraw about 4% of that annually and, and, and live off that. So that's the goal is to try to get there. That's awesome. Do you have any other sources of income other than you and your partner? No, we both have just plain old W2 corporate jobs, you know, send a lot of emails, spend all day on zoom, that kind of thing. Gotcha. <laughs> and but I, I've, Oh, I've, I was going to tell you, I've made, I think I've made like $42 from my podcast, which is almost enough to pay for the microphone. So <laughs> I think this is uh really going places. Yep. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> yeah. What, what I find very interesting that, that, and why I enjoy these conversations is that I always see a lot of posts of like, you know, I, I can't retire until I have seven streams of income, or I'm not going to be wealthy until I have seven streams of income. Mm -hmm. But what, what is different here in, in your story so far that I'm hearing is that like, you only have two streams of income with you and your partner. Um, but you're still able to achieve that goal of being financially independent and retiring early. Yes. And I'll say sometimes though, when I see people talking about seven streams of income and, you know, I've seen people say that and then list them out and I'm like, oh, well, I guess, you know, sometimes on that list of seven things is dividends from stocks and, um, like interest from a high yield savings account, that kind of thing. I'm like, I guess I have those, but it's not that I don't, I guess in my mind, I don't think of those as streams of income. Gotcha. So it's just perspective on like, what is uh, streams of income? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I don't, I didn't like, I don't have a, I don't have a quote unquote side hustle. Right. Gotcha. 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 Makes sense. Something that's also stood out to me um, in your posts is how you're able to achieve an average monthly savings rate um, for this year, 2022 um, of 34%. Yeah. Uh, are you budgeting by, by, doing that or are you, do you just, are you, do you live a frugal lifestyle? Like, how do you do that? That's a really good question. I mean, listen, the very honest answer is I make a lot of money. So it's, it's much easier to save when you have a higher income. Um, I don't post my exact income online, but I always say, uh, I make enough that I'm going to be over the social security maximum taxable income, but I haven't hit it yet <laughs> this year. So I, I really like the question, do you budget? I actually think that's a really interesting question. Um, I track everything that I spend money on and I've done that for about 10 years and using mint. And then recently I switched over to, you need a budget, which I don't know if I'm totally sold on it, but that's what's happening. So I, what I do though, is I, so I track everything and so I have this really good sense, especially having done it for 10 years, like it, I wouldn't call it budgeting in the sense that at the beginning of the month, I'm like, okay, Liz, like here's how much money you can spend on coffee and don't go over that. But I just know 
how much I'm going to spend and I know how much money I'm going to make. And so it's really easy to reconcile those two. And it's really easy. I mean, I've always said like, I've had a lot of privilege in my life. I am playing the game on easy mode. (laughs) Like I've, I've, I, I don't have to cut anything that I really want out of my life to, to still hit a 30% savings rate. And by the way, that 30% savings rate, I'm a little, I'm, it makes me a little bit sad because I, I bought, I've talked a lot about this online. I, I decided to buy a really big, expensive, fancy house last year. And before that, my savings rate was over 50% every month. And that felt like I was living the life. I was just so, I was so excited to calculate it every month and put it on my little chart. And now I do it and I'm like 32. All right. I guess <laughs> we, we live in this weird corner of the corner of the internet, right, Joel, where that's, that's a, that's like a very, you know, in, in the world, in the world, that's a very solid savings rate, but in this weird corner where people are obsessed with their savings rate and, you know, mega backdoor Roth IRAs, it's, it's not that impressive. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for, for me in my current state, like I'm only 24, I find that impressive, but I, I hear exactly where you're coming from. Mm. You know, people are saving 80, 70%. And I'm like, how, like, how do you do that? I don't know. I re- well, I do know. I've just, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not particularly frugal. Yep. I like spending money on things that, that make me happy. I didn't know you were only 24. Just yep. <laughs> I'm just 24. Yeah. That's something that I find very interesting um, is that you don't budget. And most people that I've talked to like do budget, like in the beginning of the month. And I also use uh, mint to track, to track my expenses. And I, I just mm-hmm. have an idea of like how much I am spending. Um, I just keep like one month uh, buffer in my checking account. And then I have uh, three months in a high yield savings. Uh, speaking of like emergency fund, how, how much do you keep um, on hand. A lot. <laughs> First, let me just say that I wish that I had had this kind of interest in money and finances when I was your age. I didn't really fall down this particular rabbit hole until mm-hmm. early thirties, I think. Emergency fund though. I, so I have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I talk about that a lot and I, sleep much, much, much better at night with a big fat emergency fund. And so I think, hang on, let me do some math in my head right now. It's about like seven or eight months. Maybe it it was closer to a year. And I actually, I got very brave and I put some of that money into the market, (laughs) but I, I was closer to a year, um, during earlier pandemic days. I just really wanted to make sure that in the worst case scenario, we both lost our job. We both got sick, had a big home repair come up. Like we would be safe. Yes. That's, that's good to hear. And that's, what's awesome about personal finance is that it's personal. And like, at first I was like, you know, I only need a month of expenses. And then I had life changes and I realized that, okay, one month is, is not enough. Um, but it's cool to hear that, you know, you've had a year, went back a little bit and depending on where you are in your current state of life and what you foresee happening, you're able to adjust that accordingly. Yeah. One month. That makes me nervous. What do you yeah. do now? Um, right now I'm in the transportation sector. Um, so it's a steady job. I'm not worried about losing it. I'm um, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, but it's more of, so like if I get sick, 
um, not about yeah. getting fired or laid off, but more so of um, me getting sick or I get in a car yeah. accident or, you know, my car just stops working one day and I need to to drive to see my family in a different state. Yeah, I think a lot of times folks talk about emergency funds in terms of job loss, but that's not the only emergency. You yes. could have our latest emergency was finding out we have bats in our house and it's really expensive to get someone to come uh, take them somewhere else. Yes. I've been following that along on your story. Story. <laughs> they, they get evicted in a few weeks. So very nice. Yeah. How much do you keep in your uh, emergency fund though? I, I have uh, four months in my emergency fund and I do something a little bit different in that I'm, I also keep, um, so I have five months to six months total, one in my checking, um, four in a high yield savings account. Um, I currently have it with Discover. Um, and then I have one month in uh, a CHD, um, the ETF, high de- dividend paying ETF. Um, okay. If I get to that six month, I can withdraw. Um, I always will keep that at one month. So if the value goes down, mm-hmm. um, let's say like my, like my one month expenses is 2,500 for transparency. Um, like with buffer, I, I'm never going to save an emergency fund with uh, just four walls bare minimum. Um, mm-hmm. So to continue my lifestyle would be 2,500. I, I round up all my numbers and add it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that, if the, my, if the current value, the market value of SCHD goes below 2,500, I just put more money in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I won't need it now, but um, I haven't had to put money in for the last two months, but now it's, it's gotcha. valued at like. 4,200. So this is, it, it kind of oh. worked out in that, like, you know, it's, it's there. I want it to be a little bit risky with that sixth month. Cause I didn't need it in current <laughs> state. Um, but if I did, I could pull that out. I love that. So that I just love how we all have our funny little systems for things, right? Like it theoretically, right. Money is fungible. Like it, it, a dollar here is the same as a dollar over there. But in your mind, you have categorized these, like, these are the four months, this is the fifth month, and this is the sixth month. Like, these ones are blue, this one's yellow, this one's red. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me, ugh, I hope this makes sense. You know, when you watch like really little kids and they're, they're like moving their blocks around, but they're just so intentional about it, right? Mm-hmm. And like, they're just moving blocks around but they're like, no, this one goes over here and this one goes on top of this one. And they're so intense and they're so focused. And that's how I I think some of us real personal finance nerds are because we just really have this really specific idea where we want our blocks to go. And we we find that so fun. Yep. And using that analogy, like uh, writing on that is like that, like that kid will say that this, this red block needs to go here, but they're not able to uh, put into words or like explain why it needs to because if you ask why it's because I said so right and, it, <laughs> and I feel like it's the same way like Joel why did you choose um, you know four months why did you choose one month that, that's because what I want you know like why right. like Liz why did you choose a year it's it, that's because right. what I want right it's makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, something else that you have talked about recently um, and you, you're the first that I'm asking this your 26th person I'm speaking to um, yeah. is estate planning. Um, oh, yeah. can you give me like a brief explanation for me as well as our listeners? Like what is estate planning and why it's so important as you see it? Yeah, it's, 
that's a good question because I was very, not very old, but I, I mean, I, I think it was well into my thirties before I even understand what estate planning was. I mean, I remember someone at work, we had the sort of little financial educational sessions, right? Someone from our 401k plan would come in and remind us all that we needed to save for retirement. And someone said, Oh, it'd be great if we did a session on estate planning. And I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> State planning. So I didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of people maybe don't know what it is. Um, high level. Okay. Someone who actually knows about this is going to roll their eyes at me, but like, is that the biggest piece of it is creating your will. And then it's like a bunch of stuff that also goes along with that. So, uh, we just went through an estate planning exercise with an attorney and did things like created a will, you know, who do we want our, um, money to go to if we die. And it's, it's the most likely scenario is that like one of us dies, that's easy. And then like everything that we have goes to the other person out of the two of us, but then kind of going through these other scenarios, like, well, okay, well, what if we both die at the same time? Like, you know, we don't have kids. So should it go to like your parents, my parents, should we split it? Like, what if one of our parents has died, then do you split it three ways? Or do you still put it, split it two ways? Um, who gets the dog? <laughs> like, should we give the person who takes the dog money? So there's a lot that goes into that. Like, what do we want to have happen to our bodies? Um, after we pass away and then, um, some things like, uh, um, powers of attorney, medical powers of attorney, um, there's a trust for reasons that I won't go into, but it was very expensive and annoying. I, I don't, it's definitely not as much fun as like stacking up your colored emergency fund blocks. Gotcha. Yeah. Like what, what stood out to me when I had been like, I know that you have a whole highlight reel on it. Um, and when I was like clicking through it, um, cause you had mentioned it on your stories, like off and on. And then on one of your stories, you'd mentioned, if you want more info, you can click on my highlight. So I did, um, yeah. but something that like really stood out to me, um, in scrolling through your, the highlights of estate planning is that like, we are, or not we, um, but people in this, in this corner, um, as we have talked yeah. about it are always focused on or, or, or mentioning that we need to focus on uh, generational wealth and like, you know, having money for, for setting our next generation or our family or our friends or relatives um, up to succeed um, before they're even born or, you know, our great grandkids. Um, mm -hmm. But that can't be done without this in place because once I die, like who's in control of my money? I don't know. Um, you know, who's, who's in control of, of my, possessions, my belongings, um, who's going to take care of my dog, like my cat. Um, those yeah. are just questions that I don't have answers to. And I'm just hoping that, you know, I'm going to set myself up and I'm not going to create that, uh, that means to be able to pass what I've worked so hard on, um, to the next person. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's for sure. I mean, if one of your goals is to create generational wealth, then estate planning is, is for sure an important piece. Yeah. Have um, you and your wife started that process? Not yet. Um, now that you said that I'm going to have to do it. Otherwise you're going to keep <laughs> bugging me about it. Um, I am. So we'll do. <laughs> yes. So still to come, um, I'll definitely make a post on it when I do. Um, and I might be reaching out to you, um, for like who you did it with or, or how you even got started. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
in high level, I paid an attorney $3,000 and it was really annoying. And I, then I, a company reached out to me about a package that you can do all yourself online for like 200 bucks. And I thought maybe we should have just done this. Yeah. So gotcha. it was a sponsored post, but I, but I really did. I looked into it. I was like, oh man, we probably should have just done this. Gotcha. <laughs> so. As, as you posted, you, you miss your pre-internet brain, but now that we have the internet, I need to use it. It's good pros and cons for sure. Yep. Yeah. I, I, so I know we're coming short on time. Um, and for those who were, who have been listening so far or missed the beginning of it, you can find Liz at, um, Liz gets loaded on Instagram and in the show notes. She also has a podcast. Um, it's a lot cooler than mine. So make sure you do listen to it. A uh, link is in her bio and I'll also link it in the show notes. Liz, one question I do like to ask, um, everyone that comes on, um, is the same question. It is, if you met a stranger, what is one thing that you would tell them about personal finance? Well, I think that the one thing that I wish everyone knew about personal finance is that it's important for everyone and it can be accessible for everyone. I didn't, I think for a long time in my life, I thought that I didn't have enough money or make enough money to be an investor. And I didn't understand that even just putting money into my 401k meant I was an investor. And it wasn't until I, I ended up with a small uh, chunk of sort of quote unquote extra money that I started falling down the rabbit hole. Like, Oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> that I realized that you don't have to be a bajillionaire. You don't have to be a wall street bro, you know, personal finance and, and specifically investing really is accessible for everyone. So I love that. It's important for everyone that it can be accessible for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Liz, for your time. Um, and Absolutely. have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for the time, Joel. It was really, it was really nice chatting with you this morning. Nice chatting with you as well. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to follow today's guest, the link is in the show notes. If you haven't already, it'd be greatly appreciated if you can follow the podcast on the platform that you're listening on. Just a reminder that personal finance is personal and it's not like the average Joel.